Welcome to Restart Radio, a very different show about gadgets on Resonance 104.4 FM. This is a different show because unlike most, we do not focus on the new shiny, shiny things to buy. We focus on the value in the stuff we already have. The Restart Project aims for a shift of behavior towards a more sustainable and happier relationship with electronics. Our monthly community electronics repair events here in London are just the beginning. My name is Ugo Vallauri from the Restart Project. Today we're talking about new challenges to the repairability of smartphones. I'm joined by my colleague Janet Gunter and by Rico Serva, a renowned iPhone repair and data recovery specialist, who is here to tell us more about how smartphones are becoming less repairable. But not because of their physical design, because of a combination of special chips and software that effectively prevent independent repair businesses from swapping parts, even genuine parts from other phones. But first, some recent stories that attracted our attention. So Reuters uh, announced that Britain is to stop mobile operators selling locked handsets. Uh, this is apparently like a first wow. worldwide. Yeah. <laughs> seems seems like a big deal to me and I it was somewhat unexpected not following these things really closely. Yeah, I had missed that this was um in development and uh, Rico, what, what do you make of this? This sounds like a big deal. Uh that is a major deal. I've actually never even I didn't even know. I didn't see that article yet, so I'm going to have to have a look at it. That's crazy. The ban will come into effect as of December 2021. So let's not get too excited. Another year yeah. and hopefully there won't be some way to bring in a delay. But Ofcom has come up with this as part of a package of measures allegedly designed to ensure customers are treated fairly and to make switching from one mobile operator to another easier. This also, I was going to say, Ugo, this has implications for a secondhand market as well, right? You know, when you're stood in front of those stores that resell mobiles and you can see the value of a locked phone is much less. Um, so it has bigger implications than, uh, yeah, convenience for a customer moving between providers. Wow, major. So let's hope that this is really also the beginning of the end of network operators trying to sell more phones locked into their networks just as a way to like lure you into their uh, network and hopefully people will just be able to keep the phone that feels okay with them and just decide what is the best network for their purposes. Second story which uh, we are quite happy to see, again, a bit unexpectedly, uh, the BBC reported that um, electric goods should have repairability rating following the move by France to implement a scheme as of 2021 that will label goods, initial few categories of goods to rate their repairability and in the future also how environmentally uh, friendly they are. One Lib Dem MP actually stated that we should be uh, having the same in Britain. And this is great news because we've been campaigning for this for quite a while. And Janet, do you think there is any political opportunity to bring this to the UK anytime soon? Well, political, I'm not sure, but we know that in DEFRA, there's great interest in what's happening in France. And the one thing that did stand out to me about the BBC article is that they went to talk to the Lib Dems and the Greens, but didn't get any comment from Labour. So um, big question mark about both what the government thinks about this um, and what Labour thinks about it. Um, yes, it seems significant that they went on the record on that. 
And the other big story, of course, and we don't have to into great detail, but the uh, ballot measure in Massachusetts, uh, which was being voted also on Tuesday, uh, was overwhelmingly voted for. The Massachusetts voters voted for the right to repair. It was a rather complex measure, and they were bombarded with really uh, scary adverts by the auto industry trying to convince them not to. But voters voted by 75% margin to support the right to repair in Massachusetts, which kind of basically matches if almost all of the polling that we've seen in Canada, in Europe, about the popularity of right to repair measures. So that was to see kind of come through the, through the, poll, through the actual polls and ballot boxes as well. And one poll that we didn't need to wait for that long to get the results. Exactly. That was really good news. (laughs) So we'll see what kind of implications this will have. This was specifically about, you know, access to software for cars, but this will have implications, hopefully, for future policy related to right to repair, uh, something that we'll keep an eye on in coming months. So, um, Rico, well, firstly, welcome back. We, we, we had uh, an interview with you a couple of years back and many things have changed since. And the main topic of today's show is how come iPhones are becoming less and less repairable in the past couple of years? And we specifically were interested in what's happening with the new iPhone 12. So shall we start with the issue that uh, YouTuber Hugh Jeffries found with the new iPhone 12 camera? Can you tell us a bit about this discovery and why it's important and worrying? Yes, sure. So um, even now, today, um, we have a lot of serialization issues with the screens that we see on X models. Majority of them are X and up. And they have all these serialization issues. Could you explain for the average listener what, what serialization means? Yeah. So basically, you need the Apple machine to pair the new display to the phone. Even if you take two original screens and you swap them over, if they're not the correct serial number, you're going to have some weird glitches or issues. But now, I'll go into more detail in, in a second, but these, this iPhone 12 camera issue, um, I work very closely with other people, with my clients, and we knew it was coming. We knew something like this was coming based on the routes they were taking with the screens, you know, and also just in general, the face ID as well, and all these other parts. For example, with the iPhone X, the earpiece flex, the earpiece flex, it has a sensor on it for the face ID. If you just change the earpiece flex, your face ID won't work. So it was gradually growing to this, you know. So now when Hugh Jeffries, I was actually messaging him at the time when he discovered it. We were messaging each other. We were like, try this, try that, restore the phone, see if a factory reset will resolve it with the new camera inside. It did not resolve it. The issue still persisted. So let's see. Right now, in this industry, with the screens and the earpiece flexes and the face ID components, we have made a workaround for these. It's not an easy workaround, not at all, but we have worked around it. And the thing is, it's not possible for the regular technician to perform these workarounds. 
When you mean the regular technician, you maybe you mean the friendly guy on the high street. Yes, the repair store technician, the person who will change your screen mm-hmm. and battery. But now this 12 camera issue. I asked, uh, I looked at the, the camera to see if there's any type of chip on the camera that we can, you know, transfer to the new camera. And I can't see a chip. Maybe I'm hopeful something that an iOS software update could change it. But when it's when it goes down to such a small, small point where there's not even a chip that you can, can transfer, then not even me with my skills will be able to create a workaround for this iPhone 12 camera issue. Because majority of the time, you, uh, when you're fixing a screen, sometimes this gets smashed up and, you know, the, the glass breaks and dust goes inside the lens and you need to change the camera. So, so this is a quite this is a quite common pair that would actually mean game over for many, many devices. You see, Apple are they trying to push this independent repair program type of thing, but that forces you to you know you have to pay for that part, and that part is not cheap. Uh, you can't take one from a used phone. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean the implication seems to be also that parts cannot be reused, and there's actually like an environmental implication to that as well, not just economic. Uh, it seems to me that, that this makes reuse of parts by anybody other than Apple impossible as well. It is scary. Yeah, it is very scary because, I mean, you know, people have to have a very, very high skill level and patience to perform these workarounds. And it's if it narrows down to that small, it's not going to be, you know, not everyone be able to do it and they'll just get stuck. And then what can you do? I mean, it definitely seems to me that DIYers are out of the picture completely at this point. That some of these, point, yeah. they're just not, they're not available, even to a skilled DIYer, it's not a good idea to try in some of these repairs. We get contacted uh, occasionally by uh, Shenzhen-based businesses that send us their, like, um, guidelines on how to fix some of these issues. And, you know, I've never tried it. I'm not that technical, but... I see that there is a whole range of very complicated steps that are probably quite hard to replicate to get even just that message about the screen not being the original screen, even when it is to to be disappearing. How how does this uh, body of knowledge develop? How do you find out these things? Well, I, I, I fix tons of motherboards and microscopic work every day. It's just a high, that's all I'm focused in. I don't do anything else. And, you know, if you have the skill to remove components, especially under glue on very sensitive areas, like on the screen, it's on a flex cable. It's very easy to just pull off the, the connections on the cable because it's just it's a cable. It's not a board, you know, but it just trial and error is all I can say. And once you've done a lot on boards and you kind of feel it, you have to get this feeling, then you can do it with a success rate, you know, but... Like I said, not everybody's going to be able to do this. So you mentioned with the previous models that you'd seen different moves that you've come up with these workarounds to. Um, yeah. Can you kind of walk us, Is it would it be possible to walk us through from about, let's, well, I remember, of course, the infamous Error 53, where... where Touch ID. That's right. Is that the start of this, would you say, or did it start prior to that? I think in general, when fingerprint sensors came out, that was when the start came out. Not, not when that error appeared. It was when the fingerprint sensor could not be replaced. 
that was when it started. And, you know, in Samsung phones at that time, you could just change the fingerprint sensor. Done. Sorted. You know, the, the, the info lives in the phone, not in the fingerprint sensor. I'm not too sure, but, you know, just change the fingerprint sensor. It was broken. And then they started with uh, that error. Then it came to the true tone where you change the screen and also the front camera and you lose the true tone, which is that feature that can adjust the, the color on the screen depending on the light. And then it was Face ID. Like I said, the earpiece cable that has the speaker for your earpiece, if you change that now, you will lose your Face ID. Even if you took it from another phone. What, what was the rationale? Was there an official rationale for this that was security related? I guess the rationale is that your ear is still in the face. And so they can justify that way. I don't know. I, I haven't seen anything, you know, I haven't seen anything. So I don't know. But then again, the workaround is here. So what I do is I get sent these phones with snapped earpiece flex cables or liquid got on the earpiece flex cable. Then I transfer the sensor to a new one under the microscope on the cable. So we are doing the rework on a cable. And then once I've transferred the sensors to the new one, voila, the earpiece works again, the speaker works and your face ID is there. It's stable. But if any, you know, regular person or repair tech would just replace the cable, you'd lose the face ID. Wow. Wow. So in, in, in essence, it's kind of a game of cat and mouse, it sounds like, where they're, you know, they're always escalating and making it more difficult and you're playing kind of catch up and chasing after them. Um, yeah. But it sounds like there's something uh, different with this new, with what we've seen with the iPhone 12, which is that you know, it seems like un slightly unprecedented, this particular, um, this, it's not, we don't really know what the mechanism is quite yet, as you've said. And also when I just looking at it as the average person, um, it seems that it throws up numerous kind of, this is wrong, that's wrong, numerous kind of messages to the user, which are just very alarming. And in addition, actually uh, reduces the functionality of the device or makes it useless for many people. Yeah, in the video, in the video that Hugh Jeffries did, um, you can see he changed the display. So you get that display notification <laughs> that says, oh, you're going to have these problems, blah, blah, blah. And then he changed the battery as well. And no face ID because the earpiece was different and the front camera was different, the assembly. So that's no face ID, no uh, screen warning message, battery warning message, and he tried to change the camera and now the camera doesn't work. So it's literally, I don't know. I don't know how we can say, you know, it's just, it's getting to a point where, where there's workarounds for all of that apart from the camera now. So we'll see. You are listening to Restart Radio on Resonance 104.4 FM. Today we're discussing mobile phone repairability with Rico Serva. It's been a difficult year for repairing together in person, but there's still work that needs to be done in the coming months to make repair more accessible to more people in the future. Much of this work, including campaigning, creating educational resources, and creating safe volunteer opportunities, and actually even these shows, requires funding. So if you're able to help out and give a donation to fund our work next year, please go to therestartproject.org give to learn more. 
So if you look at the implications that this has for the future of repair, let's say if I was a consumer not too sure about what to do, this would send me a very clear message that I should just go to the Apple store and get them to, to fix this at whatever cost that they are charging. It's going to be high. And also, I, it's interesting because they'll charge you very high cost and for them, it's just a matter of repairing something which probably will take five seconds. And so in terms of the amount of time they have to spend, it's very little. But how can you even remain, uh, you and other independent repairs remain competitive? How is this possible uh, even for you to, to sustainably run a repair business at this point? Well, you know, like I said, it's just the things I do now, I would have thought impossible a few months ago, you know. So I don't know. It's just it's pushing me because this is my this is my business. You know, this is what I do. I I, I only focus on this, the hard stuff, the stuff that the people can't do. And yes, it's getting harder. And I, I do say to myself, you know, I do say to myself that every day I work like it's the last day it's gonna, I'm going to have in this industry. Literally, like it could stop at any moment. And I just work so hard so I can get as much as I can out of it. Because if this is the route that, you know, Apple is taking, other companies will then follow. Well, that's good. It's interesting you mentioned because I wanted to ask you about that. So Samsung, um, we've, seen, uh, we've seen evidence that Samsung is also doing some, much the same thing with the fingerprint scanner. Um, and that they're basically follow that that this only started after a recent software update. In other words, it seems as though this is in their back pocket, and that this is a strategy that's new. That also seems to be related to them wanting to have much more control over repairs and only having people take devices to their author their growing authorized network. Um, and. Together, Samsung and Apple represent two thirds of the European of European mobile market share. I I do I have not attempted a workaround on that. There probably is a workaround where you can transfer it from one screen to the other, uh, because now the fingerprint sensors are also going through the screen. So I, I believe I do believe at one point that if everything just keeps going this direction, that you know, third party will third-party repair will be gone, you know, like literally, because there's only something to a point where that I can do. The stress that this work gives me, and I'm trying to do the micro stuff and workarounds, it's just, there's going to be a time when it just cannot be worth it to do this, all of this stuff that I'm doing. It won't be worth it for my time uh, to just do that workaround, you know. And for the consumer, so you're saying also on price, because obviously the stress and the work has a price. The price. It's all about the price. It's all about the price, right? So I have to spend my time to make it worth it for me and for the consumer. But obviously we're doing it so the consumer doesn't pay that high price. And that's why they come to us. Um, obviously we want quality, you know. I work, I work a lot with people that we only care about quality. And the thing is, quality requires maybe refurbishing a screen so you keep the original apple screen and you just replace the glass and then if you refurbish that screen and you don't damage the touch layer you won't get the notification but if the screen is completely damaged you need another screen 
So then you have to transfer the chip over. But I don't know. All I can say is just it's it's going crazy. And uh, if it keeps going at this speed with the next five iPhones, I think we'll be probably be over. <laughs> Honestly. Wow. Wow. Well, Ugo, did you want to ask? I mean, I think it's important we ask about what can be done. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, on one level, this is also quite uh, uh, worrying for all of us who are, you know, pushing for right to repair, which is basically rendered empty or pointless with the situations that you're describing. I mean, it doesn't really matter that a phone will be easy to disassemble or not if software locks are implemented at, at the scale we're seeing. Uh, what do you think should happen to change the trajectory of where this is going? I think we have to just do our best to bring the attention to the public, you know, try and just show it to the world because what I see every day, honestly, I work with so many people. I work with so many businesses that I, I really help them a lot trying to create these workarounds for their customers so they don't look bad because it looks bad. These notifications look bad, you know. It's not... They are putting a good quality part. They care about the customer, you know. But it just makes them look bad. And to make it... You just have to try and make it public. It needs to just try grab attention because... I don't know, usually these things pop up on the internet and then it just fades away. Yeah, I mean, we're wondering, you know, because we were involved in policy processes, like which of them could actually have teeth in this situation. But it seems that a lot of these policies, they're always racing to catch up. In fact, if you're racing to catch up in your lab, imagine what a policymaker in Brussels is doing to try and keep on top of some of these issues. And so while this is obviously a competition issue on the product standard side, there are some opportunities, but it's so slow. And, you know, we'd like to see, you know, people, technicians, people like you, like embedded in these processes and the process is sped up. But until that time, I think I'm, I can't be too hopeful. Well, I, I think that the, the main point here is really the anti-competitiveness of these practices. And so probably we should look at it outside of the traditional lens of, you know, eco-design and other product-related uh, uh, regulations and maybe look at the bigger picture of how this really alters the economy around repair. Um, and, and I wonder, Rico, if you have any insights on whether similar issues around serialization are happening to other repair types of businesses outside of smartphones. I mean, it seems to me that manufacturers use mobile phones as a testing ground as well. So for, I think it's actually the threat of more, more of this happening in other product areas. So in laptops, smart televisions and other things in the future. I do a lot of MacBooks as well. Um, have I noticed anything? Um, there is one chip that can't be replaced, which is the T2, but that's just encrypted on the MacBooks. Um, and just Touch ID. I mean, you see, now we have a workaround. I have to fix that fingerprint sensor. If it's snapped, I have to go in the microscope, make like 20 micro jumpers in the button and then seal it. And that is, you know, that is the workaround, but it's tough, you know, like... It's really small. You'd think it's impossible. But like I said, yeah, uh, not too much that I know of. I haven't really removed the Wi-Fi chip and replaced it to see if that works. But 
Yeah. And in terms of the reaction from independent repairers that you work with, how, how, how are they feeling about this? Because is there enough uh, rage and uh, frustration to actually bring together more visibly how their businesses are at risk of disappearing? I think, you know, to be honest, we all work as a community. So, like, yes, the screens are getting expensive and also they, you, they would find a screen refurbisher these days. This is how it's going. You know, they'll find a person who will refurbish the screen. So we're trying to, you know, create workarounds to make it, keep it profitable for us. If, if there's a logic board fault, they'll send it to a logic board repair guy. That guy will charge them a B2B rate so they can make profit as well. We, we're evolving in this route. Some of them are learning how to refurbish screens. You know, they're not really... It is frustrating, but we just have to... It's a matter of evolving and just trying to learn and catch up, like you said. And this is like, for example, these new uh, 11 Pro Max screens, they are very expensive, you know, very expensive. So they would then send it to a refurbisher who would charge them probably half the price or even less than half the price. So they could still create profit from the sale. So we're just creating workarounds. We're doing our best to, you know, use everybody's skills. And that's how it is, you know. I help a lot of repair businesses every day with the logic board repairs. If they break the face ID cable, if they snap the fingerprint cable, I will repair that for to help their business. So this is the workarounds we're creating. And um, yeah, it's we just it's been like that ever since the 5S, since the fingerprint sensor. You always have to be very careful so you don't snap that fingerprint sensor. And now, yeah. People have developed the skills, yeah. It's good to hear that your network is kind of coming in to save you. And I think that's actually the strength that, I mean, it's the ingenuity, it's the human connection um, that that these corporations will never have. Um, and, you know, in effect, they have to take more dramatic and more draconian measures um, to, try and, to try and stop you because, you know, in some sense, you're much... Um, you have a natural strength and ability to <laughs> to go out and solve problems for people and solve problems together. So I think that's the one positive from this story is that is the amount that that you that you collaborate, the way you work together and you're able to provide service for people across the world um, in spite of all of these barriers. Yeah, we, 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 we do a lot. We really do a lot to help each other. Like I even created a Facebook group. It's got like 24,000 people on it now. I don't have wow. time. I just post once in a while, but I made it there so everybody can just post what they're seeing and maybe other people can see, oh, I've seen that before. Yeah, let's post it there. So we, this is the only way we're surviving, honestly. This is the only way we're surviving. It's just about communicating, networking and asking each other, have you seen this problem? Yes, this, that, this, you know. It's almost like the repair underground. <laughs> In a sense, yeah. But th yeah. this is this is the truth. This is how we're surviving and this is how businesses are still making profits. They're refurbishing and micro-soldering. Simple, you know. Instead of buying another phone, they'll fix that logic board so it creates profit for them. It's just, yeah. Which at the same time actually also prevents unnecessary waste being generated. So it is the true win-win, you know. Exactly. And, you know, majority of the time when I do motherboard repairs is just my time. It just requires maybe a wire, a little micro jump or something or short detection or a little chip. 
So you don't have to waste this whole board that is a phone. It's the most expensive, well, it's an expensive part of the phone now, you know? So you have to save it. You can't just throw it away. Obviously, when it's completely trashed or snapped in half and they want the data, you can't really revive it as a phone. You just do it for the data. But yeah, for repair, you need to fix the boards. That's how I make a living. <laughs> well, uh, Rico, thanks so much for your insights. And uh, uh, we'll be very happy to hear updates on new workarounds and new threats that you find. And certainly we'll be happy to share them and try to make some positive noise around them. Thank you for your time Thank and you. uh, good luck. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Due to the pandemic, we're currently not running in-person restart parties in London. However, if you'd like help fixing anything with a plug or a battery, tag us. Just give us information on the make, model and fault of your device and we will do our best to help. You can find more information at our website, therestartproject.org, or find us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Thanks to Optonoise and Cassini Sound for our music, which was made with lasers, spinning plastic discs and discard electronics. We're here every second Tuesday of the month at 5pm. Until next time.